Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome to episode, well, it kind of doesn't have a number this, uh, welcome to a special mini episode of We Are Going Up with me, Mark Crossley, and that's your lot, folks, because uh, there's no David Cameron Walk here this week, he's away getting drunk in Portugal, uh, so we thought we would break up the gap between shows uh, with half an hour or so concentrating on some of the stories that have been developing in the Football League uh, during the last few weeks. But before we do all that, I need to make a phone call because I do need a little bit of help here. I can't do this all on my own. Here we go. We're going to call up an old friend. Let's see if he answers. Oh, it's ringing. It's ringing. Hello. Hello, Adam Williams. How are you? Hello. I'm very well. Thank it's been you very a very long time since we've had you on this show. Um, can you remember when it was? <laughs> um, probably, I would say, um, the tail end of last season, probably um, as we got towards the run-in around about mm. March time, Easter. Well, uh, for uh, any new listeners or people who don't remember, Adam uh, writes for us uh, about Ipswich Town. And, Adam, you um, your name might also be appearing on people's uh, internet screens on the old BBC Sport website these days. That's right, or, or on their smartphones or tablets <laughs> Indeed. as well. As on the, uh, Sorry, yeah. contractually obliged to, to say nowadays in this uh, so you're multimedia up in, um, age. You're up in Salford. You're up in my part of the world. Indeed, I am. Yes, I am. We had a lovely burger and chips a few weeks ago. We did indeed. We um, did. In the shadow of um, a certain um, three-letter um, broadcasting corporation that uh, resides in that part of the world. And uh, yeah, exactly. it's very nice to see you as well. Yeah, so if you go on the BBC Sport website, nice to see you too, mate. Nearly left that out. If you go on the BBC Sport <laughs> website on the Sports Day uh, section, you'll see Adam um, putting some uh, stuff on there. Were you on there today? Yesterday, was it? Uh, yesterday yeah, and the day before. There you so go, busy what... man. OK, well, Adam is going to help me as we round up some of the events uh, that have been going on in the Football League over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but Adam, as we record this, it's all it's all happening. Leighton Orient uh, and Cardiff are the clubs in the news because uh, this is a Leighton Orient club statement. I'm just going to read to you from their website tonight. Uh, the chairman and the CEO of Leighton Orient have received a resignation letter from Russell Slade a few minutes ago. Uh, this has not happened by chance after the club rejected a proposal this afternoon from the general manager of Cardiff City regarding the transfer of... Russell Slade the lawyers of the club are now studying the file so basically by the time you hear this uh, that might have been confirmed and Russell Slade will no longer be the manager of Leighton Orient so let's focus on this story uh, in a bit we're going to speak to Mr Paul Levy who is a co-host of the Orient Outlook podcast and he's going to be on the phone to give us his take on what's been uh, a fairly um, eventful couple of weeks if you follow Leighton Orient after such a successful season last year their manager uh, it looks like is uh, is off to Cardiff uh, but we are going to start with Cardiff who've lost a manager of their own Oli Gunnar Solskjaer uh, left the club a couple of weeks ago there was a sort of difference in the idea of the club's philosophy I believe between Oli Gunnar Solskjaer and Vincent Tan uh, so uh, a few minutes ago I caught up with uh, Terry Phillips who has covered Cardiff for many a year he's a sports journalist for Media Wales uh, Terry was actually asked 
at the Port Talbot Merthyr Town Football Association of Wales Cup game uh, when he spoke to me, but he uh, gave me five minutes. And uh, I started by asking him whether he thought that this news means that Russell Slade will be the manager of Cardiff City by the weekend. I would think so. I think that's been going to happen for some time now. Um, it was clear he was Cardiff City's first choice. And it's just been a question of negotiations. And uh, now he's left Orient. So uh, the next step is for him to arrive in Cardiff. Well, it's a bit of a change of uh, approach, isn't it? For going from a foreign manager who's played in the Premier League to going for a manager who has been down in the lower divisions for most of his career. Indeed. I don't think Russell Slade has, has uh, managed at uh, championship level. I may be wrong, but he's got a decent record at League One and at those lower leagues. Um, so hopefully he can bring that to uh, the championship but we'll have to wait and see I'm told that Kevin Nugent may be coming with him his assistant former Cardiff City player of course but Scott Young is staying uh, on the coaching staff and the first team coaching staff Okay, and for a manager who has just um, well I don't know if four now is the right word but had uh, problems working with a foreign owner um, how is Mr Tan going to compare do you think? I honestly don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm not even sure Russell Slade has spoken to Vincent Tan, but clearly it's Vincent Tan's decision. Um, so from that point of view, Russell Slade will get on with him immediately. It's whether the fans take to him as well, and it's, it's going to be a difficult introduction, really, because many fans wanted Tony Pulis, and he was probably the favourite among the fans. Uh, they've gone for Russell Slade, and I, I really hope the fans give him a chance, because he's going to give the guy uh, the time to change things. He's, he's got to look at the squad, because it's a huge squad. And it's, it's going to be difficult for him in the first couple of weeks. So I hope he's given a bit of time. What state do you think he will find the club in? Now, it's not too long ago since Cardiff were promoted to the Premier League finally. There seemed to be a fantastic atmosphere around the club with Marky Mackay in charge. But it all seems to have changed very quickly. It does. The other problem they've got, I think, is that the players aren't as fit as they were last season. I think that showed last night. Uh, I don't know exactly what the reason is. Maybe it is the rotation Ole Gunnar Solskjaer sort of used, but... Under Melky Mackay, Cardiff were the fittest team or one of the fittest in the Premier League. They're not that fit in the Championship and that is a problem. Maybe it's because they've got too many players. Uh, I don't know, but certainly they're not as fit as they were. And in terms of Solskjaer, I think just five wins uh, out of 25 league games in charge. How do you sum up his his time at the club? Unfortunately, it was a failure. Um, I, I would have loved to see him do well because he's, he's a heck of a nice guy. Um, I got on quite well with him, went on the pre-season tour to, to Austria, but he failed to stop Cardiff City going down from the Premier League, and the start hasn't been good enough when you think of the backing he has had from Vincent Tan, who put money into the squad, so you know it's got to be seen to be a failure, unfortunately. And what are the weaknesses in that squad then? Because his uh, sort of activity in the transfer market has been uh, talked about quite a bit in regards to his failure. Um, what does that squad need that it's currently lacking? He needs less players to start with because there's, there's so many players there. Well, they brought Ravel Morrison in today, though, on loan. That's an extra I one. I know. Well, he is a good player. He's a, he's a quality player, although he's got his troubles off the pitch now and again. Um, but they have got too many players. He, um, I would have thought if Russell Slade does come in, then he has to trim the squad as quickly as he can and get a, a real core of players that he trusts and are going to give you know play for the shirt. At the moment, there are far too many. They have had to rotate... That has affected fitness, I think. So, you know, there's, Russell Slade's got a, a lot to deal with. You mentioned earlier the uh, defeat to uh, Bournemouth in the uh, Capital yeah. One Cup last night. Mm. I think only 6,500 uh, uh, were there at the Cardiff City Stadium last night. Yeah. Do you think that's indicative of the way that Cardiff fans 
uh, a feeling at the minute and do you think that, you know if Slade can come in and revitalise that squad they'll all come flooding back and the whole club can climb the league and, and feel a lot more sort of energetic again comes if, if Russell Slade can win some matches that will lift everybody um, the problem is he's got three games before the international break and he's coming in with little time to prepare for Sheffield Wednesday at home and it's Brighton away and then Blackpool away then they've got two weeks off so if he can pick up some points in those three matches and then work solidly through the two-week international break, although some players will be going away, then you know maybe you know they can come out harder in after that, after the international matches. But it's going to be a tough ask for Russell Slade. I'd really love to think he could do it. And 16th in the table at the minute. Uh, I know it is early days still. I, I don't want to get too sort of carried away. They're only what two wins away from the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, do you do you still think that it's, it's, that the squad with the players that it's got in it? I know there's too many of them, but do you think that it has the requisite quality to be a top six championship team, or be it an automatically promoted championship team? It certainly have the quality to be, able to be up there. And we have to remember that Reading, I think, were the right well in the bottom three last season at one stage, uh, and they went very close, didn't they? So. Who knows? It's uh, it's one of those things that you know we have to wait and see. The quality is there if Russell Slade can get them fired up. And I mean, I was concerned last night that some of the players didn't seem fit. You know, and, and it was just a desperately poor performance last night against Bournemouth. You need to somehow get the club going again. That was Terry Phillips, who has been covering Cardiff for 20 years uh, for Media Wales. And now let's get the Orient perspective uh, on this news. Joining me on the line is Paul Levy, who is the co-host of the Orient Outlook podcast, a weekly Leighton Orient podcast created by two South Stand season ticket holders. Uh, Paul, thank you very much for joining us on the show. Um, First of all, your reaction to the news uh, as we record this on... Uh, what day is it? Wednesday. On Wednesday, Wednesday evening, yeah. uh, that Russell Slade has handed in a letter of resignation to the club. What do you make of it all? It, it's kind of sort of bringing to a conclusion, really. It's kind of, I think, what people almost had, had expected. I think some people had expected that he would still be in place for our game on Saturday against Rochdale. Um, but I don't think in football anything surprises you anymore. Uh, this has been dragging its heels now for about two and a half weeks. Since it all became um, sort of pretty public, like made by Russell, but you know, it, it's it's a surprise to, to find that he's actually handed in his notice. It just makes you wonder and sort of begs the question as to what what has been going on behind the scenes. You know, um, it, it's difficult not knowing what's what conversations are being had between him, the chairman, the chief exec, and the president. You know, it's unfortunately, you know, what what's happened here. And when did this all start, as far as you're concerned, from an Orient perspective? So two Saturdays ago, uh, we played Colchester United at home. We lost 2-0. The match was pretty poor, to be quite honest. Stephen and I do the Orient Outlook podcast, and, and part of that, the club invited us to do the uh, the Orient commentary for the premium channel, which most football league clubs, I think, probably have. So we then got pitch side afterwards, and, and in, in the post-match press conference, we were it's fortunate if you if you want to look at it that way that he revealed um, that the sporting director Mauro Milanese had been into the dressing room uh, post match and told him in front of everybody that he's got one match to sort it out or it's curtains. Um, he quite he said that quite matter of factly actually, so you couldn't really tell how annoyed he probably actually was. Um, I suppose the direct question off the back of that is should he have made that public? But that's a question that will probably never be answered and everybody's got an opinion one way or another. Either way, sort of back to the facts as they are, um, it seemed to galvanise support for him from many corners of the Orient community, local media. Um, we then, on the following Tuesday, played Notts County away 
Uh, then there was all sorts of rumours flying around about what was going on and being given them not about being sacked and all this sort of nonsense. But you know, they had a meeting post-match in a room somewhere at Knox County, um, and it was it was declared that he was staying. Um, so that was really positive news. The performance against Knox County was much better than what we'd seen against Colchester. So I suppose that probably helped make the decision, uh, you know, that a little bit easier. And then there was a rumour that came out on Twitter on sort of quite late Friday night that Cardiff had approached and then sort of Twitter blew up as far as we were concerned. And then from that perspective, uh, it then transpires that uh, that Russell had, uh, they, they'd been refused uh, permission to talk to Russ. Uh, then Russ apparently Friday evening asked to talk to Cardiff. <laughs> that then got refused as well. So he took the team as normal on Saturday uh, against the Scunthorpe side that we beat 2-1. Uh, had some very good attacking football by all accounts. Good play. And then post-match, Russell was asked about the Cardiff job directly. Um, he said, I'm a little bit in the darkest in response to, the situa- to that situation. Uh, meanwhile, he clearly wasn't in the dark, unbeknown to us at the time, though. He wasn't in the dark. He knew full well what the situation was. But I think rather than him looking bad and saying that he'd actually, the night before, asked for permission to talk to Cardiff, um, he kind of denied all, you know, you know, yeah. deny, deny, deny. So this was a bit of a turning point for me personally. I, I found that quite disingenuous. Yeah, well, what we used to from him. A lot of the reaction I've read on Twitter this evening seems to be that a lot of people are obviously sad that he's leaving the club, but they felt that something needed to sort of end this whole thing. Yeah, it needed to be brought to some sort of a conclusion. The, the, the president uh, in last night's programme notes, he had sort of quite an extended piece and, and quite an opinion, um, on obviously, to, to, to get across to us. You know, he, his point of view is that what he'd asked the, the uh, sporting director to do was to give him a sort of kick up the backside as it were saying the performance wasn't good enough and if you don't show enough passion then you're gone that obviously didn't translate through and this is what happens when you play Chinese whispers I suppose What do you uh, um, what, what do you think that Barry Hearn's making of all this? I think he's probably going to be quite gutted Matt Porter has also come out uh, who was our chief executive under Barry Hearn and said that you know the best thing he ever did was appoint Ruff um, I'd have to agree we, we, you know last season we had the best season I've ever had supporting more in over 23 years. Um, it, it, it feels very different at the club now that Barry and Matt have gone. Um, we've not spoken or heard from the new owner, the president, other than that programme note, really. I uh, feel very disconnected now. So I don't think the hierarchy have, have coated themselves in any glory at all. Uh, but, but by the same token, I think Russell's position has clearly become untenable. So either he goes by him quitting or being sacked, you know, or he, he commit, the club commit, and we all put this behind us and, and, and move on. Um, I think it's just all been handled really badly yeah. by everybody. Two questions then. One, mm-hmm. first of all, sum up the Russell Slade era, Orient, if you can. And secondly, who do you want next? Do you think it's going to be a, a foreign manager this time? Summing up the Russell Slade era has been very, very good for the majority of it. We had one season where we were quite diabolical and only only stayed up, I think, thanks to a 94th-minute goal from Alan Judge for Notts County, I think, against Wickham it was, and they won 4-3. So it wasn't due to our own sort of good fortune. It was just due to someone else being a bit more more than us. So other than that season, it, it's been fantastic. We finished seventh the following season. We finished third last season. We went to the playoffs at Wembley last season. Seen some of the best attacking football I've ever seen um, from an Orient side, and... and to a larger extent, from, from a lot of football inside, you know, we had all. He's a great man manager. What if they appoint him? What Cardiff will get is a tremendous man manager. 
he's the kind of guy that will get the best out of all of his players. And, you know, not everybody's got that skill. Um, what, well, who do you hope for next? Obviously, I'm not prejudiced if it's foreign or, or English. Um, it, it doesn't matter in so much in that regard. But somebody who's got experience of League One and knows what it's like when you need to be gritty against teams like Sheffield United who played against us the other night and weren't particularly outstanding. They defended well and quite deeply, let us come on to them and, and you know, we just couldn't get past them. So we need someone who's got good tactics as well to be able to change a game. Russell seems to lack that and I don't think I'm alone in thinking that. He can't seem to he can't seem to change a game tactically that that well. Um, if it's not working on the floor, he'll go long ball. There doesn't seem to be much dynamicism in his tactics. You know, we started off playing a lopsided 4-4-2, and then, you know, now we're playing a 4-3-3 as it was probably, uh, and now we've sort of been playing quite a solid 4-4-2 uh, at home and 4-5-1 away from home with, you know, Darius Henderson, who's quite a big guy up front, so it sort of inspires a long ball game, which isn't, isn't fun to watch for anyone really you mentioned last season the uh, finishing third the incredible season that you had obviously there was yeah. so many good teams at the top of that division last year like Preston also had a great season that they didn't yeah, go up either did. went to penalties at Wembley looking at the league table now uh, eight games played this season you're 17th in the table what um, isn't or hasn't been working at the start of this season what does the manager need to the new manager need to uh, uh, sort out when he when he comes in you know, it's it's very. That's a very good question. The difficulty is, uh, or, or the thing that's hard to put your finger on, is is the fact, or the fact of the matter is, we lost two players from last season's squad. Our goalkeeper Jamie Jones, which in my opinion isn't a great loss, um, because I didn't particularly rate him, um, and our right winger Moses Odebajo, who went to Brentford and has been doing fantastically well and deserves all the success that he gets. He's a he's a great player, great kid, and we miss Moses. Is quite direct. Pacey play on you know when when he's playing. I think we missed that. We haven't replaced like for like in that regard. We've got Joby McEnough in who was at Reading, probably quite quite familiar to a lot of your listeners. And so from that point of view, people aren't gelling. I don't think it just you know we, we've got pretty much the mainstay of our our team from last from last year. But I don't know what I don't know what it is. The new guys are coming in with with championship pedigree. Uh, Joby McEnough, Darius Henderson, uh, Lowry at, at, at centre-back and, and Jay Simpson of sort of formerly of Arsenal. Um, they just don't seem to, to be gelling. There doesn't seem to be that, that stickiness that we had last season where people knew what was going on. People are making silly passes and silly mistakes that are you know, ultimately putting us under unnecessary pressure. And that's got to be sorted out before, before you do anything else. So it's probably not too much that needs tweaking because I think the general quality is probably there. You know, we've still got the top assist guy from last season in Dean Cox, fantastic. Lloyd James has stepped up, Romain Vincelo looks very, very sharp. But, you know, when we had them injured, the players that were coming in weren't exactly setting the pitch on fire by any stroke of the imagination. And that's a problem. And Paul, one, uh, one final question. I'm going to push you on this. Give me a name. Mm-hmm. Who do you want to see uh, as the new Orient boss? Um, if you're going to twist my rubber arm a bit, I'm going to say Brian McDermott. Okay. But whether or not he would come, yeah. I don't know. Well, I've seen Chris Uton mentioned as well, and I, I was thinking, well, that would be a great appointment for a League One club, but I'm not sure whether he'd drop down. Yeah, I don't know that Brian would either. I think that rumour started, I mean, obviously he's not at Norwich anymore, but he was at the game on uh, last night, so that probably stoked a few 
sort of grey matters churning <laughs> to, to the extent that they're going to be chins are being rubbed. run together. Um, yeah, absolutely. Paul, thank you very much for, for speaking to us. Before we go, just give you a quick plug to your podcast. It's called the Orient Outlook Podcast. Where can people get it? Thanks very much. Yes, it's on iTunes if you just search Orient Outlook. Um, or it's on SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com forward slash Orient hyphen Outlook. Uh, and we're on Twitter as well, which is at Orient Outlook. The We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. So that was Paul Levy, co-host of the Orient Outlook podcast, speaking to me a few minutes back, and Adam Williams uh, from the BBC Sport website. It feels weird saying that. He's uh, he's, uh, on the line. Adam, what do you make of all this then? Uh, Because they had such a great season last year, um, and uh, it's such a shame that you know it sort of had to end this way, really. Um, But it's also quite an interesting appointment from Cardiff's perspective, going for a a manager from the lower leagues rather than a a foreign manager. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really intriguing situation uh, the, the whole thing really the, how it's how it's evolved over the last week or so obviously the initial trigger of all this has been uh, Solskjaer's departure from Cardiff City which was not completely unexpected and then and then the names emerged I mean not our colleagues in uh, BBC Wales were, were quite wise to the fact that Russell Slade had been targeted um, by Cardiff at quite an early stage and they were obviously I suppose I use the word courting but um, that might not necessarily <laughs> be the right phrase but they made it quite clear that they, they wanted to approach Russell Slade and then it obviously became a little bit of toing and froing as to did Russell Slade actually want to seriously think about this approach and, and did he then go to the, the Leighton Orient um, owners and say, look, um, I would like to speak to them. And then obviously it became quite clear that um, in the last 24 hours with that very peculiar um, set of programme notes that were in the Orient's programme before their game yesterday, um, it just read in, in very strange um, language really. And, and of course you, you've, you're speaking to me now and I've, I've only just learned about this as well in the last um, half an hour and I'm sitting here reading the club statement as you speak to me and and the whole thing that this strikes me about this this Leighton Orient statement is it's written in such peculiar language that, that, that isn't quite what you would expect from a, from a football club. It, it strikes me as more the, the the kind of language that you'd see used in the States, I suppose, when you're talking about American football and, and certain things like that. I mean, it uses words like approaches, general manager and terms like that that really don't sit normally in this kind of story as, as, a, as a managerial change. I think um, as a Red One Orient fan, tweet earlier tonight the honeymoon is over for the new Italian owners who came in in the summer but one thing for, for me from a Cardiff's perspective particularly with Tony Pulis uh, being out of work being the Premier League manager of the year last year being you know uh, I think he, he's a supporter of Cardiff followed the club when he was a kid and basically if they want him he's there but they've gone for a, a manager who's been at, obviously done a, a good job at Orient but been at a lower level maybe a, a missed opportunity perhaps Quite possibly, um, although it's quite interesting, Tony Pulis, um, very early on in this whole process, was was approached by a colleague of mine at the BBC to ask if he'd actually been spoken to uh, or had, had any contact from Cardiff. And, and very early on, he said, no, I haven't I haven't been approached at all. I haven't had any conversation, which is very surprising, especially as, as that's a part of the world that Tony Pulis um, comes from. He's, he's a Newport guy, um, very familiar with South Wales, obviously was very much available at that time. So it would surprise me a lot if he was not spoken to at any stage um, during the process. But as I say, our, our colleagues in Wales have been very wise to this from from pretty much the, 
the very get-go that, you know, Slade was someone who was identified very early by Cardiff. And also, you know, the other names were in the frame. Um, but it seems to me as though Tan had obviously seen something they liked um, in Russell Slade and, and wanted to go after him. And I think once that initial approach was made and that seed was sort of sown in, in Russell Slade's mind, I think he became um, very keen to, to take up the offer. Can I just say, by the way, if you fancy a trip to Dubai and Malaysia, just become an out-of-work Premier League manager because that's where <laughs> they all seem to go, isn't it? To do punditry. That's where Tony Pulis was the other day. By the way, did you see the uh, photo of the, the stag weekend of the, uh, all the Cardiff fans dressed I as Vincent yes, Tan? <laughs> um, that, was, uh, that was in a number of different papers and, and websites, actually. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, those guys looked like they had a good night. And, so they did. Uh, they certainly didn't scrimp on the... Uh, on the outfit mm. um, well let's just uh, touch on the contrast between the three relegated clubs if we can now the reason we're not really going to talk about Fulham this week is because and DC doesn't know this yet I think Fulham play Bolton in a couple of weeks so I'm, I'm thinking in my head nah. that is a prime game for us to go to because they're both useless <laughs> um, so maybe we'll talk a, a bit more in depth about Fulham then we've obviously got to mention the uh, the obligatory McGath Hangel and Cheese mention um, what's that all about I mean it's, it's staggering um, is really. it true um, it would appear that it is because um, he was spoken to McGath himself, obviously, in, in the wake of this initial story coming out. And he was asked about it. And, and he turned around and he said, you know what, I'd heard an old wives tale. But, um, and I can't remember exactly what the name of this cheese is. It's got a certain name. But if you rub it on an injury, it can possibly have special healing powers. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you've seen the interview that he's subsequently given to a German newspaper, but some of this has actually appeared um, in the press and also on his on Felix McGath's Facebook page, which is another thing that amazes me, amazes, uh, more so that Felix McGath has his own Facebook Managers page. have Facebook but, pages. I've learned something <laughs> new today. But he also said that, you know, he, he's going to stay in England for the time being. He's not going to go back to Germany because he believes that someone out there will believe that his methods uh, have a way in English football. And, and, he, and he believes that English football still has a lot to learn and benefit from. Um, from his expertise and, and his way of, of managing players. Uh, I mean, if you speak to a lot of people who had anything to do with Fulham during the time that he was there and players who have also left at the start of this season as well, some of the things that they, they were telling about that his methods are just... They just sound as though they come from, you know, the, some of those awful teachers that used to have a <laughs> PE lessons at school that would send you out there to run 20 laps around the pitch with no shirt on. You know, well, kind of methods that would just be completely alien in this day and age. He, he, he seemed to think that they had some sort of benefit to, to professional footballers. Well, we do have a lot to learn from German football, but I'm not sure that rubbing cheese on <laughs> your thigh when you're injured is one of them. Um, but yeah, um, so Fulham and, and uh, Cardiff obviously struggling, but Norwich fly in 17 points. Eight games. Uh, Neil Adams doing a, a grand old job there. They've scored uh, three and five games already this season, or they did go out the uh, the League Cup in midweek to Shrewsbury. Uh, top of the pile, Nottingham Forest. They're playing Spurs in the League Cup as we record this. They've started like a, a house on fire, Adam. Well, Forest, um, particularly, I, I watched the uh, I watched the game against Derby the other week um, on the weekend quite closely, and uh, I think you and DC mentioned it last week. Sunbelonga, uh, the way that he settled into. To, to the style of play there at the city ground. You know, he's hit the ground running, he's scored all these goals. Um, it's interesting to hear from um, a lot of people involved in the game, um, particularly um, Alan Devonish, um, or Devonshire, I can't remember his name exactly, the man who was, he had him as a manager at Braintree when he was on loan there a few years ago in the conference. And he said, look, watch this kid, he's got something special about him. Um, he will he will come good. And he, he's really got this ability that um, is obviously 
um, very strong at non-league level, and so it's proven. You know, he's obviously been around um, several clubs on loan, most notably Peterborough, um, and he really, I think, Forrest have got themselves an absolute steal there um, with him up front. Moving on to Norwich, as much as it pains me to talk about them doing well, I think you've got to admire the way in which they've gone out there and spent um, the parachute money they've had from relegation. And certainly, as you mentioned, out of the three teams that have come down, I think they've used those resources most wisely. Cameron Jerome, you know, he's, he's settled in there and scored a couple of decent goals. And in Lewis Graben, you know, they've got a proven goal scorer there at this level. Um, who, yes, he did score the winner against Ipswich the other week in the derby, um, but, you know, he has got an eye for goal. Um, and they've just acquired three or four different players there who have just nicely come in um, and replaced what they lost um, in terms of coming down, you know, players like Robert Snodgrass. They really have gone out there and bought very wisely um, with championship quality players who I think will um, stand them in extremely good stead throughout this season. Uh, Leeds owner Massimo Cellino has confirmed that uh, former Slovenia international and very cool guy Darko Milinic is the club's new manager. I'd love to think that Cellino's just appointing managers based on how cool they are now. That'd be brilliant. Uh, Neil Redfern is going to stay as part of the coaching staff so he was previously at Sturm Graz. We talked about Leeds quite a lot in recent weeks but anyway we'll have to see how that one goes. Neil Redfern has actually been doing quite a good job uh, there in Caretaker Charles. Um, you mentioned um, Norwich there, Ipswich, your team. You were at Wigan, I noticed, one of the few hardy souls behind that goal on, on Monday night. But uh, a narrow 2-1 win and again placed seventh in the table uh, where you always seem to be pretty much when I look. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, that's, uh, that's three wins on the bounce now. And uh, I mean, you say a narrow 2-1 win, but actually when you looked at the game a little bit closer on Monday night, um, we were very much in control of it for certainly 80 minutes um, and then the last 10 that was the bit I saw the last 10 <laughs> yeah, yeah we were very much hanging on for the last 10 minutes of that game um, they got a goal back obviously with, with 8 minutes to go and then they struck the post um, but really they, they didn't Wigan particularly were quite disappointing they didn't really come out and impose themselves as much as I thought they would Try not to get too carried away um, with it. You know, that's three wins on the bounce, as I say, with a very winnable fourth game um, at home to Rotherham this weekend, followed by a trip to Sheffield Wednesday the following Tuesday. But, you know, there have been signs a little bit earlier in the season that I think we are going to be probably in and around, I would say, the top half of the table with quite a few other teams who, you know, that whole cliche that we always spin out with championship matches that anybody on their day really can be anyone. And I think apart from maybe those two or three teams that we've already mentioned, the likes of Norwich and Forest, there is going to be, I think, quite a big crop of teams below them who really, you know, have all got an argument that they could be up there and deserve to be so by the end of the season. Uh, Middlesbrough with that amazing uh, penalty shootout against Liverpool in the League Cup on Tuesday night this week. Oh, they've actually picked up their league form as well, though, haven't they, Adam? They have, and um, it, was, it was fantastic. It was. I mean, I I must admit, it was quite, it was it was entertaining at the same time as being slightly irritating. You can't sort of come on, someone's got <laughs> yeah, a miss. Get on with now. it. You know, this is this is getting ridiculous. You know, like tra- people have got trains to catch and they've got places to go. Um, but a great effort from um, from Borough. And actually, I think it's really it's nice to see for certainly for Ita Karanka that he really does now appear to be making a bit of a mark there because he very quietly went about his business when he was appointed there um, last season, raised a few eyebrows because. 
because people thought, well, you know, he's never really been a number one. He's always been an assistant um, and on the continent as well. Will his methods really work, you know, at championship level where, you know, he's going to have to be a little bit more cute um, with the way that he does things and perhaps be a little bit more, I suppose, direct um, in his tactics. But like you say, they, they've picked up some very good results um, of late and they appear to be, Certainly well led by um, Grant Ledbetter, who's... Um, yeah, well, I was going to mention him. ...his Ipswich days. He scored um, some absolute pearlers recently. Yeah, he was he was very instrumental in that performance last night as well, along with, you know, two or three quite promising-looking youngsters who have always had a bit of a, you know, a bit of a reputation for being able to, to pluck out players like that from their from their academy and from the from the local area who, you know, can get a chance and get an opportunity to um, to make their mark. And uh, it's nice to see that Karanka, as well as obviously now looking like he's, he's putting a little bit of a stamp, of his own stamp on, on the team, is, is also quite conscious and, and aware of um, the traditions that are also in place there. And considering they were taking second in that penalty shootout for about 10 penalties in a row, the standard of penalties from those Middlesbrough players, considering there were some of them were youngsters as well, was super. We better crack on though. Uh, League One, uh, Bristol City are absolutely flying. Uh, they're playing MK Dons on Saturday. That's a battle of the top two. And quite nice to see Chesterfield back-to-back hat-tricks from Owen Doyle in the last week or so. Chesterfield, Fleetwood and Rochdale. Uh, sorry, Rochdale and Fleetwood all inside the top 10. So three of the promoter clubs from last season. Uh, down in the relegation zone, Crew, Colchester, Scunthorpe and Port Vale at this early stage. And Mickey Adams. Uh, Adam has left Port Vale after, I think, two spells in charge of the club. There was a brief period at Sheffield United in between. Um, and I think they were top of the league a few weeks ago. I'm not quite sure what's gone wrong there. I think they've lost like, well, they had lost about six games in a row uh, before they won at the weekend against Barnsley. But, you know, sad sad for the Port Vale fans that a manager that was obviously extremely well-liked there has decided to uh, to pack it in. Yeah, indeed. And uh, I wonder if he, he made that decision perhaps before he was he was pushed as well, the way that you read um, his uh, reaction um, and his decision to, to part company, as they always like to say um, in these terms, he kind of got the feeling that he knew it was right for the club um, for a change and, and, and for himself as well to, to move on. But, you know, that is a little bit disappointing because they, they, they did have, as you say, a, a particularly good season last year. And going back to those other clubs that you've just mentioned there as well, it is it's good to see that that sort of promotion bounce, as we always call it, is uh, having a bit of an effect. It's alive and well. Yes, uh, on the likes of Fleetwood and, and, and Rochdale, which I'm sure you're absolutely delighted about, Mark. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Love to see them doing so well. Um, let's quickly move on to League Two. A couple of new managers in League Two as well. Keith Curl's gone in at Carlisle. I'm not sure that really inspires me, to be honest. They're four points off safety at the minute, bottom of the Football League. You mentioned the promotion. Um, so what was it? The, the promotion bounce. They've got the relegation bounce or whatever the equivalent is because they're now bottom of the Football League. He is their new manager. John Coleman's back in at Accrington. Just a 5-4 mm-hmm. win away at Northampton to start. What a game that was. Um, so they've got Incredible. their old manager back. Yeah, that was there was some of the goals in that game as well uh, were excellent. Um, but we all know, Adam, the true story in League Two at the minute. Um, apart from the fact that Burton Albion fans will never want me to go and watch their team again because I've seen them <laughs> twice this week and they've lost 6-1 in total, uh, is the very top of the league. And uh, I was up there on Saturday for that 3-1 win and without wanting to get carried away, that second half performance from us was as good as I've ever seen. Um, so I'm starting to believe, Adam. Am I wrong to believe at yeah. this early stage? Well, you, you know, they, 
the old adage comes out, you don't win any, they don't give out any trophies in September, October. Why November. don't they? they, keep, they keep, <laughs> Please. Well, I'm not sure. I mean, they obviously give out the community shield in uh, in August, but that's, that's where it stops, sadly. But, oh, no. uh, you know, I... I I think at this stage it's it's all about getting a bit of momentum, isn't it? You know, um, it's a long old slog, isn't it? In in League Two, you really do have to, you know, keep plugging away. And and, and in recent years, when I've been uh, around colleagues at, at Radio Oxford who've covered Oxford United, who, as we well know, have have always started off like a bit of a train um, in the first sort of three or four months of the season, they're not quite been able to to keep it up um, in the closing stages to get in the top seven as it is in league two um you know i think there's something there with, with, with Barry. You, you've obviously made some very good signings um for a league two level um flickcroft is a manager who i think uh, has got a lot of respect from the players you can certainly tell um there seems to be a very good vibe around the club um well on top people on top of that as well sorry to Northwest, yes sorry yeah. sorry to interrupt but um on top of that just to mention a bit of vibe of the club uh, we had four thousand two hundred home fans there on Saturday, just about 300 from Burton. And that must be the largest home attendance we've had in a long time. And obviously, you know what it's like. It's a very, living up there now, it's a very congested area. Uh, but it does show yeah. you that if the quality is there, the people will come, or some kind of variety on that phrase. Um, <laughs> that's right. So let's hope it's, yeah, it carries on for the next 37 games. Not long to go, just the 37 <laughs> left. Yeah, it's a marathon, not a sprint, as they always say. But as, as I was saying, you know, there were a couple of colleagues I was speaking to at the start of this week, um, one who, who does a bit of freelance work for the BBC, but also does a lot of um, uh, covering football league up in the northwest. He was actually at that game as well on Saturday, and he told me how impressed he was with um, certainly Berry's performance. And, and as you say, the end energy that was around that that victory as well um and uh, you know he, he he saw something there that he's not seen for a while and he's been he's been covering Barry for a number of years oh was that Seth Bennett no that was a friend of mine called Steve Canavan oh. who um, also covers a club at Blackpool as well I see because so. I spotted that uh, Seth Bennett was, was up there and I know that a few of the guys from Radio Manchester were, were very impressed anyway we're getting off the topic as we usually <laughs> do at this stage in the show um Adam uh, thanks very much for joining me. Uh, before we go, a couple of little uh, things to mention. Uh, Audible, uh, you can get yourself a free audiobook of your choosing if you haven't already. Audible.co.uk slash going up. We mentioned this last week. Uh, basically, you need to go to that URL, audible.co.uk slash going up. If you go to our website, wearegoingup.co.uk, down at the bottom, you can see the link there. Just click on it. Sign up. You get a free audiobook of your choosing. There's loads of football ones on there. Uh, just loads of great ones in general. Don't have to be uh, football, I suppose, whatever you get. And there's an offer there basically for a month. Uh, and then you start to pay. You can cancel before the month is over, though, and you still keep your audiobook. So let's be honest, you might as well go and take advantage of it. And if you do, you're helping keep this show going and keeping it free. There you go. Plug over audible.co.uk slash going up and the fantasy football. Have you got a team in there this year, Adam? I, uh, once again, I have um, I've missed the boat on the championship. Oh, I'm having what? enough. Um, I'm having enough problems with my Premier League um, <laughs> team yet again. Um, I think is it too early to throw in the towel at the end of September? I think I probably should. Um, so the thought of having a championship one as well as just um, you know completely bamboozled me. Well, quite aptly, I think for uh, for us a lot, the team that are top of the uh, we are going up fantasy football league at the minute are uh, called quite simply the Muppets. Um, I, I don't know whose team that is I'm desperately trying to see if we've got any Muppets music in here sadly we don't you'll have to insert your own Muppets music there but anyway well done to whoever that is the Muppets top of the league at the minute Escort Eagles second Orange and Purple then Wagyu Wanderers I think that's Walker but we're not going to mention that and then Southend, Southend Dream Team in fifth 
Uh, that is uh, football-league-manager.co.uk. The mini league, we are going up dash season four and the password is Topo, one for the older listeners there. And uh, also, <laughs> should say, if you um, want to write for the website, we are going up.co.uk. If you want to blog about your club or just general issues in the football league, please do uh, get in touch via the contact page on the website. By the way, we're always on the lookout for new people to get involved. So if you'd like your articles to go up on, on we are going up.co.uk, please do uh, get in touch via the website. That is it. I'm losing my voice. All that shouting on Saturday. Adam has done me in. Um, thanks for uh, for coming on the show. Speak to you soon. Absolute pleasure. Uh, Dave will be back from Portugal sporting an ice tan and a huge hangover next week. I'm not quite sure what the plan is for next week yet. Uh, hopefully Carl might be getting involved as well. We will speak to you next week on We Are Going Up. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Oh!